Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you we have this Harvest Sunday to celebrate your goodness to us in the harvest. Harvest of the practical things like food, but what's on my heart is so much more. We give you thanks for everything that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So each year we can reflect on the cycle of the seasons, can't we? God has ordained them, and this includes this autumn season. Of course, our friends in the Antipodes are in the spring, aren't they? But he has ordained these seasons. Genesis 8, verse 22, following the flood, God promised to mankind, which he shared with Noah, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. What a, what a promise that is from God, that these things will never cease. Have you paused to reflect on that? That even though we see the challenges that are in the environment, the changes in the weather, changes in the distribution of rain and places getting hotter, some getting colder, ice melting, God has ordained those seasons while the earth remains. That promise is sure. So despite what man will do, God's promises will always remain. So with this promise in mind and with the harvest all around us, each year we can celebrate the faithfulness of God in the harvest season and His goodness in all things. However, in a globalized world where here in the UK we can have food on demand anytime and any place, day or night, you know, 24-7, we can get whatever we want. Kiwis out of season. I love kiwis. We can buy products and a produce at any time, where in generations gone by, that wasn't possible. I remember my dad, my dad was born in 34, and so he went through the war in Belfast, and he was evacuated to the countryside during that period. Others here in the room can attest to that as well. And I remember him sh sharing when, you know, the first time after the war, he was able to have an orange. That was a moment of revelation, the fresh juice popping into his mouth. He hadn't had it for years. Generations before us have endured hardship. They've gone without. We're a pretty blessed generation. So in the context of the physical harvest season, my question to you is, are we grateful? But I want us to think more broadly today. You know, in a society where we simply click and like, and then move on to the next thing, we have that moment of joy of, yes, wasn't that video clip of the cat amazing? Yes, and we move on to the next one. But it's not lasting, is it? It doesn't refresh our soul and, and go deep into our hearts. Do we take things for granted? Do we take time to pause and savor the moment we're in? Do we take time to cherish the memories of a long-expected experience? And do we value those friendships and relationships that we have in a more thoughtful and a deep way? But you might ask the question, well, why do we celebrate the harvest if we can get whatever we want when we want it? Why should we focus on gratefulness when we have all we need? What purpose does a service like this serve in a modern society is the question, I think. My answer to that, I think, is that pausing to celebrate harvest is an opportunity for us to pause and deeply reflect, reflect, deeply reflect on God's goodness. 
to every one of us as we share the bounty of harvest wherever that may be in the world. Remember, God promised those cycles of the seasons. We wouldn't have that loaf of bread without that promise. We wouldn't have that plate of vegetables, those greens that are also good. Yes, they are good. We wouldn't have them without God's faithfulness to us. We wouldn't have these relationships. We wouldn't have this time of worship. We wouldn't have the ability to to nurture and cherish and, and care for each other without God's goodness. So pausing and celebrating gives an opportunity for us to think more broadly about what we can be grateful to God for. How often do we give thanks for the practical things that we are blessed with in our daily lives? How often, and I say this to myself especially, do I give thanks for the challenges that he gives me each day? Where I can learn his wisdom, where I can learn his patience, where I can learn his love. I find that really challenging. So deep down in our hearts, what are we grateful for? You know, in response to that, if you look at Psalm 45, the beginning of that is just a beautiful psalm. The writer of that psalm says this, My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. That's my question for us today. Are our hearts ready and are our tongues ready to worship God like the pen of a ready scribe? We'll be spending a little bit of time with King David today. And with this psalm, we hear the writer expressing his heart to the king in the Davidic timeline. But more importantly, in verse 6, he ascribes greatness to God. The writer is pouring out this love song to God. So bearing in mind this psalm and the writer's words, my heart overflows, I, I want to do something slightly different today. I want to pause now for about five minutes. I would love you to turn to your neighbor and just have a chat. Share what you are grateful for today. I'd love to hear a little bit of noise, a little bit of chatter. Just let's take five minutes and just pause and share what you're grateful for. Could be just the fact that it's a comfortable chair, that it's reasonably warm in here, the sun's out. Could be that we could be giving thanks for uh, uh, Brother Andrew from Open Doors who gave his entire life in service in distributing Bibles to those who are persecuted. We can give thanks for that. We can be grateful for that. We've recently shared and celebrated and expressed gratefulness for the Queen and, and her faithfulness to this nation and to God. So, let's spend five minutes. Let's have some noise. If, if there's anybody who's not uh, got somebody to chat to, let's, let's make it happen.
need to separate. <laughs> oh, this is this is this is wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it great to be able to just share like this? Maybe slightly less than five minutes, but wasn't that a great buzz? Wasn't that a great buzz? Just to be able to share with each other, and I, you know, I saw husbands and wives connecting that maybe the way they hadn't been for a little while. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, I, I, I hope you enjoyed that. It's just a great opportunity for us to just pause and reflect. What, what are we grateful for? Because we're so focused. I, I don't know about you, but this last week, I, I've been really struggling not to be following the news. Really struggling. <laughs> and not to be anxious about what's going yeah. on. Just being honest. Yeah. So actually taking time just to be grateful that actually, you know, on, on, on Tuesday, let me just share something before I go into the message. So on Tuesday, we finished at my work a three-part series called Thoughtful Questions. And the, it, was, it was, we looked at three different questions through the series. We looked at first, if profit is king, why ethics? Then we looked at a second question, where do I find my worth? And the third question that we looked at this past Tuesday was, how do I find peace in the midst of uncertainty? Couldn't have had a better time on that conversation. But one of the things, and, and, and it was hosted, and I, I, it was at my work, this is my work, and it was hosted by the Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics. Praise God that he gave us this window of opportunity. I thank God for my business leaders who are allowing this to happen. But one of the things the speaker, Lara Buchanan, one of the things she said was this. As Christians, in the midst of uncertainty, we can enter the presence of non-anxiety. Let me rephrase that or repeat it. As Christians, we enter into the presence of one who has no anxiety. And that is God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? And it's something we can praise him for, that he is above and beyond and over everything. He is not caught up by whether there's taxes or no taxes or debt or no debt. He is caught up with the fact that he has put his son in authority over everything. That's what he is focused on. Anyway, thank you for taking the time to do that. I hope you enjoyed it. Maybe we do more. You never know. Or I may get told not to do that. Anyway. <laughs> but it gives us a chance to reflect on the goodness of God, doesn't it? And I, and I hope you just let the, the, the warmth of that percolate into your heart today. It's just it's an opportunity for us to just share and, and feel the warmth of that. So I'm going to read a song of thanksgiving. It was written 3,015 years ago, <laughs> and uh, I, I would like to take time to pause at each stanza and see how we might be able to apply it to ourselves today. So, if you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Chronicles, the first book of Chronicles, chapter 16. I remember when I was growing up used to say, Book of Chronicles, page 726. But we're not all on a Bible, same Bible. Uh, we're on the same Bible, but in different versions, maybe, different pages. I've got a big thick one today. So, 1 Chronicles 16, and let's, let's, let's read. And let me give some context before I read it, actually. So, we're looking at a song that is compiled of a number of different songs at the time when David dedicated the ark in the tent that he prepared for it roughly 3,015 years ago. 
And it's setting within, within this book of Chronicles where the, the writer is one of, he's writing the history of the Israel and the kings. And, and in Chronicles you get the specific emphasis of the covenant relationship between God and Israel. His agreement with them. It's a beautiful book. Very different from Kings. It's, it's this grace of God that pours through the whole book. But where we're rolling up to, if we start with chapter 10, King Saul had died. And uh, we learn that's where God had, had, was displeased with him because of his unfaithfulness. In chapter 11 and 12, we see the build up to David becoming anointed king in Hebron. And then he comes to Jerusalem that was to become known as David's city. And we see him building his team. You know, it's important to have a team around you. And his happened to be called Mighty Men. And they supported him in his kingship. But that was his team. That was his executive board, if you like. Chapter 13, David turns his heart then to what God wants. And he starts to move the ark to its home in Jerusalem. The ark, which had been in obscurity for a long time. So the ark, if those who may not be familiar, was a small golden box. But this is under God's instruction, God's specific detail. You think of the cherubim there sitting on the top on the lid. that fit on top of this box of acacia wood. Acacia wood is special. It's very hardy, hardy wood. And it could not be, it, 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 it was very robust. There were poles to carry it. Inside, you get different presentations, but inside you get Aaron's rod that budded. You get the two tables of stone that Moses laid out the, the, the detail. You get all of that in this little box. But that's where God represented his relationship with the people of Israel. But the point in Chronicles is that grace didn't necessarily depend on where that ark was. You know, it was with the Philistines for a while. But the people of Israel could learn God's grace. And it's not that the ark wasn't important. It is vitally important in the history of the people of Israel. But God's grace is the important story. So chapter 13, we get David wanting to bring it to the ark. And it had been in obscurity. It had been with the Philistines. And some pretty horrible things happened to the people who had it in the, the Philistines. We won't go into that. But... It was being brought back into its rightful place. But it's really interesting that you see Uzzah. He puts it on, it's been put onto a cart. And this is really important detail that you get in Chronicles. It was put on a cart and he was moving forward. And then Uzzah was struck down because he put his hand out to it. It wasn't being carried in the way that God had instructed. He put poles there for the Levites to carry it. The mistake, mistake is corrected. The Levites then do their job. And they perform the work, and then it's moved to the house of Obed-Edom for a period of time. And then, in just as we're coming into chapter 16, you get this great celebration where the ark is coming into Jerusalem to be placed in a tent where God could rest. So that's the context for this passage. So let's read it together. We'll start with verse 8. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8. Oh, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works He has done. His miracles and the judgments He uttered. O offspring of Israel, His servant, children of Jacob his chosen ones. 
Beautiful language, isn't it? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. I wonder if from that section we could draw out from a gratefulness perspective that we have the opportunity wherever we are, at whatever time it may be, to call upon the name of the Lord. Someone was telling me the other day that you know, in their work, sometimes they're presented with something that they're quite sure how to respond to it. And they cry out to the Lord, help now. And they're given the words to minister into that particular situation in that conversation to help that person. God is available yeah. anytime. Yeah. Are we grateful for that? Does the worship of God feature daily in our lives? Yeah. I remember we were going through a tough time as a family and someone reminded us that have worship music on in the home. It helps you. And that carried us through. That worship music filling the space. The word of God filling that space. Maybe that's the word of God to us now too. <laughs> but I think the important thing as well is that we can have that individually. But then we have the corporate blessing of being together. Are we grateful for being together? I tell you what. I am so grateful for how many people we fit in this room. And I'm grateful we're kept safe as well. So please. But it's God's blessing, isn't it? It's God's goodness to us. And it, what's a pattern of faith in our lives? Does entering the presence of God simply to enjoy Him, does that feature in our lives? To reflect on His holy name and praise Him forever. Yeah, that's what I get out of this first stanza. Remember the wondrous works He has done. He's provided food for us. He's given each other to fellowship with. He's given us, he's given us of His Son, the great Savior who we can put our faith and trust in. And then we look at stanza two. Verse 14, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel an everlasting covenant saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. Isn't this beautiful? He is the Lord. I think this is what's really on my heart, given what's going on around us. The Lord is God. Yeah. The Lord has authority. The Lord is over all. Yeah. His covenant is forever. Yeah. Governments may rise and fall, but His covenant stands forever. Yeah. It's a covenant that's made with Abraham. Think about that. It's a covenant made with Abraham even before the, 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 people, the children of Israel were, were, were birthed as his people of purpose. It was Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith. God made a covenant with. He's a God of promise. His promises are sure. We touched on that in some of the songs. Matt and I hadn't even talked about the songs. And think of what we sung this morning, that his promises are sure, his love is everlasting, his covenant is sure. So the, the covenant of God means God's grace. His grace is poured out upon us in the gospel. His grace sustains us day by day. So my question to you is, do the sure promises of God fill your mind every day? Does it fill my mind every day? Or am I caught up by that feed that comes on my phone? Does the fact the covenant is eternal fill you with a peace and certainty that cannot be obtained anywhere? Remember that expression from my colleague. 
We as Christians, we have the opportunity to step into the presence of one who has no anxiety. Isn't that wonderful? Stanza 3. When you are, this is verse 19. When you are few in number of little accounts and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked the kings on their accounts, saying, Touch not my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Now God's protection is upon us. Now what that does not mean is that we might not suffer trials, difficulties. We're reminded because of our open door friends of the challenges of a persecuted church. Some lose their lives because of their faith. So it does not mean that we might not face difficult times. But what it does mean is that we are sure in his hands. Our future, an eternal future is certain in the hands of Jesus if we put our faith and trust in him. Our certain fruit future is certain. The goodness of God is certain. His promises are sure as we place our faith and trust in him. Now it may seem that Christian, the Christian faith, in, particularly in the West, is under pressure, and it is. But and we'll come on to that, what's really on my, on another thing that's on my heart. But look at how it's growing in Africa. Look at how it's growing in Asia. I think one of the largest churches is in China. Yeah. A communist nation. How do you explain that? These are our brothers and sisters. They're facing, facing pressure every day. We have faithful brothers and sisters rising up in Africa, helping us to see the way forward. He will protect his church. So in these days of uncertainty, we see the rise and fall of nations and of governments. But the continuity and the consistency of God's presence is really what's on my heart to share with you today. That is our certainty. That is what we can be grateful for on this Harvest Sunday. And it should fill our hearts with wonder that even though at times the church may seem small, and in places seeming to fall away, under, and some are under severe persecution. But despite all of this, God will have his way. Amen. Ultimately, it's God that does everything. God's keep, God keeps his promise, and God provides protection. So let's go into the next stanza. It's a long one. Sing, verse 23, sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. This, his marvelous works among the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. For he is to be feared above all gods. For the, all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. As I said, does worship fill our homes? Does the word of God feature centrally in our lives? Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. You know, maybe another way to put this is, we are what we commit ourselves to. Are we committing ourselves to God? Are we becoming an expression of Him and His glory and His person here where we are? Are we committing ourselves to a God who saves? Are we committing ourselves to the Lord who made the heavens? You know, this new telescope is up. And think about the new things that we're seeing in space and the glory and the beauty of those clusters of constellations and galaxies. Wonderful. Yeah. Amazing. And that, think about this. He's created you. He created me. <laughs> the, the psalmist says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. 
You know, in the, in the womb, as you, were, as you were being formed, he knew us. Oh, isn't that beautiful and wonderful? That's what we can praise God for. So as I said, I'm going to repeat it again. We can step into the presence of a God who is not anxious, but a God who is calm and at peace. Not because he's stepped away from everything, but because he's in control of everything. The City of Light song says this, Who else commands the hosts of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? What other beauty demands such praises? What other splendor outshines the sun? And what other majesty rules with justice? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Stanza 6 says this, and this is verse 28. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar, let all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And we come, when we come to this theme of worship continuing the writer is exhorting us to do this. Ascribe to God. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. His glory, his strength, the glory that's due to his name. Bring an offering before him. We've brought an offering here, but we bring an offering of our heart, our lives. Romans 12. Romans 12 encourages us to do that, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Lay our lives down as a sacrifice. Commit ourselves to God and see the blessing that comes from that. Remember that the Lord God is holy. Worship is due from all of us. Let our witness to others give glory to his name. Express that he has authority over all things. We even get creation crying out, don't we? Romans, creation groans and travails at what's going on around us. <laughs> and, and, and you get it with, in, the, in the gospel, don't you? I can't remember exactly where the verse is, but... The, it says, even the stones will cry out. Yeah. Even the stones will cry out. He's, he's, he's appealing to us. He's asking us to give our hearts to him and then to express it back to him in the form of worship because he's so good to us. Yeah. Because he is so glorious, so holy. And then we come to this final stanza. Verse 35. Say also, save us, O God, of our salvation. And gather us and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And what happens? It says, then all the people said, Amen. 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 <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? This song of praise, it's like this gratefulness rising up, pouring out of our hearts and every pore of our being. Is that what we can do? Not in our own power, in our own strength. 
But God is calling us to worship him, to be grateful, to be thankful. You know, Martin Smith produced a song recently, says, uh, it's, it's uh, our eyes are on you. And he speaks in that song about, you know, our eyes are on you, God, because we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. He sings, save us, save us. And he will, he does, he has. Save us. So we can call upon the Lord to save and we can give thanks to a holy God. Glory in his name from everlasting to everlasting. And we can say amen. But friends, if you're hearing this for the first time today and it doesn't make any sense, let me give some context. Let me give some, something that's sure for you. For us as Christians, where we have found this solace, where we have found this certainty, where we have found the glory of God is in the person of Jesus. Amen. That man who put himself here, he came from heaven's glorious heights and he came down as a man here on earth. To devote himself to serve you and I. He put himself there on that cross. He put himself there on that cross willingly. So that he should die. For us. But he also accomplished for God. What God required. He exhausted the wrath of God against sin. In his body on that tree. We must never forget. That he did that for God. God has been satisfied in the finished work of Jesus. And now we can be satisfied as well. By putting our faith and trust in him, he shed his precious blood. That's the new covenant. We'll celebrate that tonight in communion. That blood that was poured out for you and I. That's the basis on which God can forgive us. That blood shed to cover our sin. He went into the grave. He rose again. For our, so that we can be justified. What does that mean? That means that God is just or he is, is, is fully able to forgive us because Christ is raised from the grave. He is alive. Yeah. This is what we're talking about here. That's the basis where all of our hope, our joy, our, our delight, it's, that's the basis where it comes from. By putting our faith and trust in him, that's how we step into that presence where there's no anxiety. That is God's goodness to us. So today we join with thousands of other Christians to celebrate the physical harvest of the crops and to prove the bounty and faithfulness of God to mankind. But I believe it goes much wider than the food we eat. It's to take time to be grateful for all of God's goodness as expressed in his steadfast love that endures forever. I think I'll finish there. Praise his glorious name. We can finish with a song together. But what I would encourage you to do is, as Christians, as those who believe in the Lord Jesus, share this, des- this news the world desperately needs. It needs certainty that there's a place of no anxiety. And that's in the presence of God. And how do we get there? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So let's sing the song that we're going to finish with. And I pray that this is a blessing to us all. Amen.